is your turn. This is where I stop. I do not Where you stop, you're done? Yeah, yeah. yeah it breaks up.
And that's been on my mind because our praying and the way that we do it is such a bedrock foundation to our living our lives as followers of Jesus. Uh, now, I know that some of you have been Christians here a lot longer than some of the rest of you have even been alive. And I know that you have been finding that praying is just essential to your walk with Christ. And if you agree with that, just say amen. Say it a little louder. <laughs> I know Jeremy last week, he was saying, kind of teasing me about, uh, I'm always asking people to say amen. And uh, that's true, because I like a, little, like a little feedback. But, you know, some of the truth is, if you've been finding prayer to be an essential part of your walk with Christ, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Uh, however, one of the first things I learned as a uh, new pastor uh, 46 years ago, long time, in my first church way up in the state of Maine, little dinky town there, one of the things I first learned is that our praying doesn't always go as smoothly as we would like it to. Uh, for many people, praying is just not a simple matter. It's complicated, and sometimes it's difficult. Uh, I know that, that some Christians seem to be absolute masters at praying. Do you know any people like that? It just seems like they're, they're praying all the time, they're praying deeply, they're praying sincerely, and for them, praying is almost as easy as breathing. And yet for others, uh, other just as sincerely Christian, it's more like praying while you're breathing while you're underwater, you know? It's just kind of a difficult process, and it may feel awkward. Uh, way up in that church in Maine, uh, I kind of learned that the first time with a little girl named Stacy. Beautiful little blue-eyed girl. Uh, she was an example of that. Uh, one day I went into the, the church nursery between Sunday school and church and saw Stacy there. She was talking on a toy telephone. And I listened, she was just kind of chattering away, having a good time talking on the telephone. Eventually she noticed that I was standing there and she she went up the phone and out of curiosity I asked her, you know, Stacy, who, who are you talking to? And she said, Well, I'm talking to God. Now that got my curiosity going even more. And so I said, well, what's, what's God been saying to you? She looked up at me with those blue eyes, angry on her face. I don't know. He hung up. <laughs> <laughs> now that was cute, of course. But, you know, afterward, I kind of said, well, you know, I really kind of wish I hadn't interrupted her there. Because what was she doing? She was praying, wasn't she? What do you think about that response? I remember that conversation because it's not just five-year-olds who feel that way sometimes. Many Christians, and I found especially newer ones, have that experience, and I do too sometimes. Have you ever felt this way? Yeah, I've been talking to God, but I, I can't hear anything that he's saying. I've been trying to get through to him, but it doesn't seem like I'm getting anything back. My praying goes nowhere. Seems like. Have you ever been there? I mean, any of you there right now? I think it's not that unusual. Uh, I know that we have some praying masters around here, for sure, but I think some of us probably also struggle with that from time to time. Now, if that struggle, if that uh, troubles us, we might take some comfort in the fact that the Apostle Paul uh, in the New Testament also had trouble knowing what to pray for from time to time. As, as we read his letters, it sounds like Paul was just a master of praying, 
which I believe he was, but he also had trouble knowing what to pray for. In fact, he wrote, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And thank goodness, when we struggle with praying, that we do know at least that the Holy Spirit of God helps us and interprets what sometimes we have a hard way of putting into words. Now, I do love Jesus, and one of the many reasons I, I love Jesus is that he made many things about our relationship to God and our walk with Christ very clear for us. Now, he also said some things that are kind of mysterious and hard to get our handle around. But when it comes to praying, Jesus was very clear, and he made it very simple for us. And what I found is that over the years is that our praying will be most effective and most meaningful and enriching to us when we pray Jesus' way, when we pray as he taught us. Now, I forget this myself sometimes, but I do find that my, my praying seems more meaningful to me, and I feel a greater connection when I pray the way Jesus taught us. And I love the way that Jesus taught us that praying is really a very simple thing. It is not complicated, it is not detailed, it's not uh, something that we have to impress anyone with, it's just simple. So I'd like us to take a look this morning at how Jesus taught us to pray. This, this may be very basic for some of you praying masters, and that's okay, we need the basics from time to time. But this is what Jesus taught us to say and to pray. This is what he said in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9 and down through verse 13. He said, this then is how you should pray. Now we probably could learn something from that, can't we? That this then is how we should pray, right? Right. Amen. <laughs> so he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, sometimes we may think that our praying needs to be some long, complicated thing, but ever since Jesus taught us how we ought to be praying, Christians have found that Jesus' way of praying is just a great way to do it. Uh, for 2,000 years, Christians have been not only praying this way, but they've been memorizing how to pray this way. Uh, the Apostle Matthew, who wrote it down for us, he obviously had memorized it. My Sunday school teachers, when I was just a little kid, they had us memorize it. And I'm not sure I even understood what it meant back then, but we memorized it. In that, uh, in that little church up in Maine, we actually recited it every Sunday. Um, I'm not sure that's a great idea uh, because it kind of became ritualistic and routine. In fact, I have to confess that uh, one Saturday night I was out very late on some pastoral duties or some kind or another, and when it came to that part in the service where we said, praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be. <laughs> and I fell asleep right in the middle of it. It didn't last very long. I woke up, thankfully, very quickly, and I don't think anybody else noticed, but I had clearly tuned out for a bit. So if any of us find prayer difficult, we would do well to memorize it ourselves 
and pray this way because this is what Jesus taught us to do. Some of you have done that. It's a beautiful way to pray. So I ask you to pray it with me again. It should be up on the screen. There we go. Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, how be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, there's another reason why I love this way that Jesus taught us to pray. And that is, we can use it as an outline, or a foundation, framework to grow our praying in even more meaningful ways. If we want to do that, we can. We don't have to, but we can. And after we pray a single line, we can add to it anything else that line inspires us to pray about. For example, when we pray, our Father in heaven, how can we expand on that? And the more we do, the, the fuller our praying becomes. Uh, we can add thanks to God because we remember that God is our loving Father and He's not some vague and remote imaginary God. He's our loving Father. We can pray, God, you're my Father and you love me. I know you love me because you are love. God is love, your word says. Thank you that you've allowed me to be your child forever. You are in heaven and you fill the heavens. Even fill the heavens right around where I am. And I thank you that someday, because of Jesus who died for me, heaven is going to be my home as well. And suppose we pause after, and think a little bit after we pray, hallowed be your name. You know, hallowed means, pardon me, hallowing God's name means to honor God's name. And maybe, maybe that means we shouldn't use God's name as a trust word. What, what do you think about that? Maybe so. But beyond that, in the Bible's way of thinking, names were often kind of summaries of someone's qualities or their characteristics or something that their parents hoped their child would become. So to have a God's name in our praying, we might want to mention all the wonderful qualities that we know about God that, that are attached to his name. Is there anything you like about God? Anything you like about God, you don't need to answer me. But is there anything you love about God? I love the fact that God is love. How, how would we feel about God if we read the Bible? God is mean. Or God is stingy. Or God is nasty. That would kind of affect our relationship with God, don't you think? But those aren't in my Bible. But God is love is in there. God is merciful is there. God is faithful and just. That's in there. God is compassionate. God is slow to anger, abounding in mercy, quick to forgive sin and rebellion. So, how would be your name is a, is a great way to think about all those qualities of God that we admire and we love and offer that as a time to praise Him. And we go on, we pray on. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
if we're praying for God's kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven, we're kind of already agreeing that, well, it's not here yet. It's not all being done yet, as we would like, as God would like. Wouldn't want God's kingdom to come. Wouldn't want God's will to be done on earth. Suppose God answered this prayer in your life or in my life. What would that look like? What would we be doing then that we may not be doing now? If God answered that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would that look like in my life? What would that look like in your life if God answered that? You know, I had nothing to do with this decision. Um, but when this church decided to offer free meals to the community uh, near the beginning of the pandemic, I really felt that Jesus was answering this kind of praying, that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done. Because it was born out of love for God, and it was born out of love for God's people. And what are the values, what, what are the priorities that are part of the kingdom of God? You know, Jesus said these values, these priorities, are really commands. They're the greatest commands. And, and what are they? To love God with all that we are. Body, soul, strength, and mind. All that we are. What comes after that? Love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's exactly what was happening. Uh, I read the bulletin that 250 meals were given out last week. That's astounding. That's wonderful. Praise God for that. How many of you know someone who has been blessed by those meals, even if they don't attend the church on a regular basis? That's a witness to this community of the kingdom of God and the will of God being done. Do you think there might be some other bits of heaven that could come down if we were praying this way? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think there might be. Well, now we go on, and we find that Jesus' way of praying stays very simple, but we might find it a little more difficult because now it's kind of focused on us a little bit. Give us today our daily bread. Now, what do we think about when we read that? What, what does that mean? Does that mean plain white bread, or is that whole wheat? <laughs> is that uh, English muffins, or is that donuts? Uh, is that day-old discounted bread, or is it the best bread that the bakery can provide? What kind of bread we're talking about? Well, we're really not talking about bread all by itself. What we're really talking about is, do I trust God enough to put my well-being and taking care of my needs in His hands? Do I trust God that much? Will I say, Lord, give me what it is that I need? Now, whenever I'm praying these words, I always think about the difference between my needs and my wants. And we all have those. I had a friend who used to talk frequently about his wanter. And his wanter was that part of him that was kind of always craving things that he wanted, but he absolutely did not need. And I have one of those inside of me also. And if I'm not careful, it can go kind of crazy and irrational. Uh, on a news feed that I uh, get online, there's sometimes a story about some incredible ranch or estate in the mountains that has gone up for sale for only a bunch of million dollars. You know how that is. One of the latest ones was a 12,000 acre ranch 
inner mountains that had several different lakes on it and miles of river frontage on one of the best trout rivers in, in the country. And it was a bunch of million dollars. And you know, I saw that and I thought for a minute and my wonder says, I could go for that. <laughs> it sounds all right to me. The truth is, of course, I can't go for that. And when I put my well-being in God's hands, however, I find that sitting on my back patio, listening to the birds singing, is really enough for me right now. I, I can be content with that. It's a blessing God gave us. It's, it's a kind of bread to be thankful for. It's basic. It's not extreme. It, it meets the need and it's a place we can take care of. And I believe that Jesus taught us to pray this way, to teach us trust and contentment instead of feeling like we have to be slaves to all those things that we want and maybe go in debt for that we just really don't need. Now it gets difficult. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do we really need to pray this way? I know we need to pray the first part of this because we're all sinners and we need to be forgiven. Uh, no, no doubt about that. But we have to add that second part, really. Well, if we understand God's forgiveness, we do. Because his forgiveness doesn't come to us like we live on a one-way street. His forgiveness comes to us not only so that we can be forgiven, but so that that process of forgiveness can be so precious to us that it becomes something we generously offer to others. As, Jesus, as forgiveness comes, Jesus expects us to give it away. Now, we have debts to God. We know that. We owe God repentance for our sins, and we owe God thanksgiving for the forgiveness that he gives us. But somehow, this has been connected to how we offer forgiveness to others. I had a uh, former friend of mine die a few weeks ago. And I say former because we had been quite close for a number of years and frequently had lunch together or breakfast together, uh, did some other activities together. But uh, I say former because we had been close friends, but we gradually drifted apart. And I was very surprised about his death because he was several years younger than I am, and I didn't know that he had any serious health issues. But after I heard about his death, uh, I realized I hadn't forgiven him yet. What had happened is I felt that he had blown off our friendship uh, a few years earlier, and I was still hurt by that. After he blew me off, as I interpreted it, he never called me again. Uh, I never reached out to him again, and then he died. And I realized whatever chance we had for reconciliation in this life, that was now gone. No more opportunity for that. And yet I realized that all that stood in the way for both of us was a lack of forgiveness, a lack of that debt being owed and never repaid. And I hadn't prayed Jesus way enough about that old friendship. This way of praying really matters. It really matters. Do you need to pray this way? I do. I need to pray this way. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, Bible translators debate uh, a little bit. Does it should it be translated deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one? And truthfully, I don't think it makes much difference. Uh, God allows all kinds of temptations to come into our lives, but one thing that we ought to know is that God tempts no one. Not you, not me. Temptation comes in all kinds of scenarios, and the exact method by which evil tempts us can be hard to pin down, but the ways that we can be tempted have no limit. And so the issue probably is more like, Lord, prevent me from leading myself into temptation. Prevent me from that. Deliver me from the evils I am likely to choose for myself. Isn't that really our issue? Not so much our circumstances. It's what we crave, what we desire that leads us into this. So when we pray this way, we're really asking for God to kind of keep the leash on us. To keep the leash on so that we're not delivered into those temptations that we really long for at times. Well, then the last line. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, scholars tell us, actually, this line was probably added uh, sometime after Jesus uh, taught us how to pray. Um, he may not have ended his lesson this way, but, you know, it's a, it's a fine way to do so. It's all true. It's a good ending. God's is the kingdom. God's is the power. God's is the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. But how do we do our praying? Well, I expanded on all these lines because I usually do that when I pray Jesus' way. But just remember, we don't, we don't have to do that. Uh, for me, it enriches my praying. But Jesus never said, pray this way, and then add a whole bunch of other stuff to it. He never said that. We can. Doing so might help us, but it's not a requirement. If we just want to do our praying in the simple way that Jesus taught us, then let's do that. The point is, Jesus does want us to be praying. And I think that's why he made it so simple. He made it so simple so that we cannot use the excuse, well, I don't know how to pray. Uh, I've never been able to pray. I, God hangs up on me all the time, it seems like. Jesus didn't want us to have that excuse to avoid the praying that is so essential to our lives and our walks with Jesus Christ. And so he gave us a great way to do it. We ought to learn it, we ought to practice it, maybe memorize it so we can pray Jesus' way because our life with Jesus will be blessed if we do. So pray it with me one more time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 